The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hey, campers. How's it going today? It's Matt Sardo, Monkey Sweaty Robots Podcast. It's 10.15. We are in the late innings of the National League wild card game between the Cubs and the Rockies. Rockies have a 1-0 lead as the top of the eighth or bottom of the eighth going on right now. But I'm uh, very excited to talk to you guys today because I have an interview with Jim Palmati for you guys. I went to Megacon and chatted with him. I was like, hey, Jim, I just need to talk to you for, you know, three to five minutes. Fifteen minutes later, we had a great conversation about the 90s today. And just, man, the guys, there are a few people in the world that like the comic book universe. That you hang out with them and then you feel better about life or the industry. Basically the comic book industry. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people going doom and gloom about comic books. And that's always a bunch of BS because we're making, I mean, I'm making, I mean, the the writers and the artists and DC, Marvel, all the independents are, are making some amazing books right now. And, uh, you know, so, so if you're a little, you know, depressed about the industry, you talk to a Jim Palmani, a Tim Seeley, a Scott Snyder, and then you're just like, wow, we are at the best place ever. It's just, it's like a little therapy session. And, and, and I was glad to have that. I mean, cause it's, I'm down in Florida, you know, kind of removed from my comic book world I used to be in and and every time I go to a con, I'm always like, oh, man, I got to set up, do all this stuff. And then, like, I leave the con re-energized about pop culture and the world and, like, all the cool people come in there and all the cosplayers and, you know, all the creators I meet. Like, hardly ever, I don't think I've ever had a bad time at a comic book convention. I mean, these, it's just, it's just good times. It's good times. So what do we got? All right, it's bottom of seventh. Cubs are up two one. Baez is up. He's over two, and he just popped out. I'm gonna drink my beer, but I want the Cubs to win. I'm a Mets fan, and uh, I hate the Cubs. But my buddy James and my buddy Brian, only Brian, out. He got a little insulted on text message thread. They're huge Cubs fans, and um, you know that's it's always a a quagmire you hate the baseball team but you want your friend to be happy so like what do you do and you send the text message like hey james good luck really hope your team wins i mean the mets aren't in it so i guess i really got no horse i got no horses in this in this race so you know if the cubs win god but then the cubs fans are just brutal they're like oh man look how many world series won i was like yeah you won too good for you good for you 1908 whatever I don't know. Uh, drunk Cubs fans hate them. Can't stand them. Can't work with them. No practice. That's what Mike's going to say. Can't work with them. I got to drink. 
I got to drink by. I went over drinking today. Blue Moon, the Belgian white. Belgian style wheat ale. I feel like there's a lot of Belgian right in like a few words right there. But but I'm very excited. Today, today's show, um, you know, like I said, we got Jim Palmati. And I just reread all the Justice League by Scott Snyder. And um, my mind was opened up. My mind, like I saw the sign and it opened up my mind. Yeah, Ace of Base, was that that? But, uh, you know, little little sidebar. We're trying to grow our Instagram at Monkeys Fighting Robots. So if you're a grammar, if you, if you do the Grammy thing, I'd check out our Instagram. I try to put some stuff from the, uh, when I'm getting ready to podcast. And, like, I put up a picture of, like, the microphone and my TV in my office. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, trying to do the podcast, but I'm watching the game. So if you're an Instagrammer, you know, if you like what we do, you know, give us a follow and, and chat with us on Instagram now, uh, because that's, that appears to be the, the huge thing is if you comment on an Instagram post, more people see it. I don't know. But you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's uh we're, we're a business and we need to expand our reach and, and Instagram is a fun way to do that because I can give you kind of a behind the scenes look at what we're doing and, and we can chat about goofy things. That's where I, I, I feel like, Instagram is where I get to be more of an artist. I don't know, man. I just wrote my Justice League 9 review, and I felt like that was me being an artist, too, because I brought the heavy. But first, okay, let's let's get to the Jim Palmani interview, because I really enjoyed having it. We were at Megacon, Tampa, 2018. Jim and I just sit down and talk about the world of comics, and enjoy, my friends. Jim, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Um, you have, you're part of the DC Comics Walmart 100 Giants yes. that are going out. Uh, what's, what are you working on and let us know. So uh, Amanda and I are working on uh, Wonder Woman and it's a 12 part story in the JLA book that starts with issue 3, I think it's out now. Um, and it's basically, so the, the approach for the Walmart books is this is the first time somebody is reading a comic. So. Uh, Amanda and I approached Wonder Woman, and, we're, and uh, Chad Harden and Alex Sinclair are doing the art on it. Um, but our approach was, if this is the first time, we're going to tell the story from the ground up. If you never read Wonder Woman, you'll at least get who she is. And it's, so it's a very basic, fun story where, uh, where Steve is missing, and Wonder Woman has to find him, and they go to an island where time and space smack together. So it's, a, it's a, just a crazy, big, fun story that runs over for a whole year in the Walmart books. And how has the response been over the first three issues? Yeah, the, well, the first, you know, so Oz just came out. I, I did, I wrote the first two Batmans and I wrote the first two Supermans and the response has been great. Um, the only complaint was, I can't find it, they're sold out, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I hear Walmart with the third issues, they kind of great, they kind of figured out with the first two that, okay, there's a bigger market here than we thought. So the third issues on are gonna be a lot easier to find. Um, and I always remind people when you go in Walmart, it's not in the back, it's not with the books, it's by the front checkout counter with the cards, collectible cards, there's a little display. So it's people, even the Walmart people have no idea where it is sometimes. So I like to remind people. Um, but the feedback's been good, you know, they have the comic shop locator in the back. So we're hoping the goal is to get new people to read comics, and hopefully that's where we're going with it. And that's where I was going to go. My next question and this is DC trying something new trying to reach yes. out to different markets for that like um is there anything else they're kind of working on or is this or like how are what well, are those meetings like when you guys are throwing around ideas well they're, well they're you know so they're doing they have that um 
I'm going to get the name of it wrong, but the new thing they just had started last week with the videos. DC Universe. DC Universe, so that's another way to get people involved. And if they like the movies and TV shows and animation, it also has the comics on the thing. So we're hopefully getting people to read comics. Um, I, you know, when we meet with DC, Dan, the Dio, uh, Jim Lee, Bob Harris, uh, all, all the guys have an idea. Like, they, they look at Manor and I, so when we meet them, they look at what we can do. And, and they... Uh, play to our strengths and I think for Amanda and I the idea is you know give them something fun to do because with Harley Quinn and Power Girl and we have a certain kind of beat to our work our stuff isn't really dark um, and with Harley we're definitely family friendly because uh, I'd say half of our fans are like moms and daughters which is a great market to open up to so um, so when we meet with them there's usually that kind of conversation and it's usually uh, what do you guys want to do is the question and that's the best question we can get because we have a whole big list of things we want to do the reality of it is we can only do one at a time and that's the hard reality but it's a nice place to be because i've been doing this for 30 years and i've been hustling for 30 years and it never even though we have more successful years it never gets easier you always constantly have to hustle anyway but dc out of all the companies dc has been the most open arms about our work so uh we're really happy with that. And transitioning to what you said with the 30 years, you and Joe Casada have been like sharing photos. Like I see Joe with his highlights back there. Yes, yes. Like <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm 42, so like that was right. like my teenage. My teenage life was you guys going crazy. Right, right. And I, these kids today, the kids today. Yeah. These kids, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about like how it was in the 90s. Okay, so let's everybody picture yourself without a computer in your life. And next, picture yourself without a cell phone. And that's how it was when we were doing things. So um, to get any press, you had to either be in a newspaper, on TV, or Wizard Magazine, which was the other place you could be in comics. So uh, Joe and I, when we started, we made sure we were up at Wizard Magazine as much as we can. We would go upstate New York, drop by their offices and say, pitch them, hey, we want to do this cover, we want to do an article. and. Uh, you know, wizard guys used to say, you guys are the only pros coming to us with ideas, and they, go, and they loved it. Um, and then when we launched Marvel Knights, you know, it was just, it was, uh, actually Joe and I started self-publishing before that with event, doing Painkiller Jane behind me, and then uh, Ash as well. Um, but we were aggressive, so uh, even when we did Marvel Knights, uh, we did things that were not common, which is we went on morning talk shows, we went... We had Kevin Smith out there pimping us, um, you know, uh, returning a favor for when he did. We did him favors for his films, and uh, it was a great relationship. We're still, still friends to this day. Um, but it was a definitely. Um, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have that that voice that we could just throw out there. We had the. We, we wrote articles. We uh, did interviews in in the comics, you know. So a lot of our comics were interactive and answering letters and stuff and it was towards the end that the internet started happening and there were these little message boards but that was it so it was a whole different thing you know Joe and I used to throw parties in New York and invite everybody from every company to come and that's where everybody got to know each other you know we, we, we used to throw like a good six or eight a year at least at least probably under 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 a number there but um, it was just, we spent a lot of time getting a lot of people together and we made relationships that stayed on forever. You know, Dan DiDio used to be my next door neighbor before comics, you know? So it, the world is, a, it's, it's just a crazy world, but um, 
we had to hustle in a different way. It wasn't just like I can go on the internet and on Twitter and just say, hey, you know, here I am. We had to actually go into comic shops and tour. We did a, we did a Death May tour in, a, in the Black Crows tour bus. And we went from store to store on the West Coast, you know. So things like that that aren't done as much these days, we had to do differently then. Now we fast forward to present day. Yeah. Everybody's got the internet. Yes. Everybody's got a voice. Yes. I feel like we're giving power to people that shouldn't have power or voice right now. Well, I think everybody deserves to have a voice. Um, it doesn't mean we have to agree with it. Okay. Um, I don't spend time disagreeing with people, and I don't spend time trying to change people's mind because it doesn't really work, right? People well, believe. Joe, Joe believe. did that. Like, yeah. I, saw he, last, I think it was last Sunday or last. Yeah, Saturday. Joe's engaging. He was like, "Hey, I'm going to try to, you know, fix this issue or at least talk to people." Right. And it was a pretty impressive, you know, conversation. I'm so happy Joe does that, and I'm so happy he has the time to do that. Um, I Joe definitely has a probably a more eloquent way of putting things for people, um, especially since he also represents the company. You know, so I represent me. Amanda represents Amanda, and um, so it's a little different. Um, but he's defending comics, and that's great. I, I just think uh, I'm not so sure everything's as black and white as people want to believe. I, I, you know, no, you know what I mean? Like politics, even like, you know, I. I hate the idea that somebody's like it's either this guy or nothing, or I either hate him or love him, and you know, and I'm like even with the president, I always go, well, you know, I said try to look at it in the middle, like what is he doing that you like, what is he doing that you don't like, and then react accordingly. But again, I don't talk politics so much. I'll talk comics, I'll put pictures of the con and my friends and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to engage negativity, and it's. Something that's even in my books, I don't really do too much, and I and I just, I just think if you encourage it, and if you want to get into fights with people, nobody wins because it kind of reduces you to another level. I, I don't really like it, uh, you know. Um, you know, people are going to attach me to whatever cause they have, but I'd rather them not do it without talking to me first, you know. Um, but I don't. I I my job is to entertain and make comics, and, and if I was a politician then sure, I'd be out there every day on the internet talking to people. Or if I owned a company and I had to defend it, of course I would defend it. But nobody's really attacking me for being me. And, uh, you know, and if they say, hey, your book sucks, I'm like, all right, well, sorry you didn't like it. Maybe you'll find another one you like or, or don't buy it. It's cool. That, that doesn't mean I don't like you. You know, because I, I honestly, I, I meet people and you realize they've got stuff going on in their lives and I, I can't, you can't judge by... Uh, a sentence. You have to get to know a person before you form an opinion. Even the guys I don't agree with, I'm not going to spend time telling them I don't agree with you, because you have to ask yourself, well, what am I really trying to say then? If I'm going to engage in that, I, you know, I believe what I believe. I just, like I said, I, I, I commend Joe for doing it, and some of the guys, you know, definitely. I don't really have time because I have a lot of work to do. So uh, I'm happy they're out there fighting the fight. Well, that's my, my thing is that, like, we, we're, we're kind of, we have this divide. There's a divide right. you know, that's going on. And I'm, I'm always looking for asking people, like, what is the solution? How do we get people to come closer together? And, is, there, and is there a problem being in that, a way? I mean, no, of course that they're in separate sides. But, I, I you know, I, I think I, sometimes I read what they're fighting about. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Everybody wants to make a great comic. I don't right. understand. <laughs> Nobody's sitting there going, I'm going to make a bad comic. Like, I don't get... 
I guess what I'm talking about is more having like, how are we going to have like those civil conversations? How do we get back to civil conversations? By by having uh, by being civil to right. begin with. Right. So um, so if, if you notice, sometimes I will talk to somebody that's arguing with me, and I treat them as if they're sitting next to me and I like them. <laughs> so I'll explain something the way I see it. It's like a, a movie, right? Somebody said that's the worst movie ever, and I go. Well, I happen to like that movie. And they're like, well, how could you like that? And I'll be like, okay, well, because I like this part and that part, and I thought that was fun and the soundtrack was killer. And if they could tell me, well, you're stupid for liking it, then that's the end of the conversation, right? Because I'm like, that's not an argument. That's, that's not a conversation. That's you shut me down. Um, I, I, just, I, just, I just figure everybody shouldn't like exactly what I like. Then, then, then I have no chance of getting it. Uh, everybody be in front of me trying to get it too. I, I like that people have different, I, I learn different music tastes. I go, well, what's good? And they'll recommend something. And I'll go, holy shit, that is pretty good. Let me, let me, let me get another album by these people. I, I just think that the variety thing becomes bigger because certain people are asking people to choose sides. And I always say, we all love comics. So that's the side where I'm on. I love comics. Right. If they want to bring politics into it, you know, I, look, I wrote Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters. Nobody cared. You know, I had politics all over that comic. Nobody made noise. We put Harley Quinn out twice a month. And if you really looked at the content in there, there was some crazy stuff. Nobody made noise because they knew it was fun and it was like the tone was different. So I don't really know. All I know is um, when we fight, we become weaker. And when we become weaker, we... Uh, and, and louder we bring attention to ourselves all the wrong things and I wish the uh, I wish the argument and the noise was about how great comics were and how we're, we're, we're in a business in a genre where we need new readers really bad and I wish everybody spent their time trying to get people to see how much fun comics are instead of them watching the little battles movies aren't about everything happening with Harvey Weinstein Right? They're movies about stories. So I just think that in comics, I, I, if the top story is people fighting among themselves, and it doesn't help comics. It just makes us look like kids. It makes us look like angry people or something. I just don't think it makes us look great. You know? And look, there'll always be a rah rah person, person that goes, this is what we see, and everybody stands and cheers, then the other people hate them even more. It's a never ending thing. I've seen it my whole life. I'm all about sugar. It works much better with people. People are angry at me. It's funny because people like will give me like come over to me and say, I really don't like your book or and they'll say it to me and I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that. What don't you like about it? And then we talk. And they tell me, Well, because I like the way that and I'm like, Well that's a good point, but you know, I was trying to do something, like, oh okay. So we have a conversation. That guy doesn't or girl doesn't work walk away from the table more pissed at me. They're like, Oh, okay, yeah, he's so he's he's very polite and we had a nice conversation. I guarantee the next time he's not going to be running, or they're not going to be running to make us to, to attack me. And I feel like the internet takes away that connection a little bit. It's too safe. Yeah. And people have conversations, so they can be meaner, they can be nastier, they can. And I don't think people are mean and nasty. I don't think so. Genetically, I don't think they are. I think they're just confused, or they feel they have to choose a side. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping that everybody chills out a little bit. So, you know. And uh, the last question, this is uh, slash market research, but also to help every other critic out there. Okay. Uh, what do you get, what, when, when creators are reading uh, comic book reviews, what are, you, what are you guys looking for? What are you, 
What do you want to see? What I like to see is I like to see that there's some idea that the person read it instead of reading what it's about and then writing a review about it. So I like to see that they read it. I like to see that they see things in it that I either didn't think somebody would catch or they piece together things because um, it usually shows me the intelligence of the writer. And then I like to see some eloquence and instead of saying I hated it, saying it didn't agree with me because it bothered me that the character went this way, that way. Like, that kind of stuff is great because you get to see how people think and view the characters and I learn from that. But when the interviewer is nasty or going after me personally, like it doesn't make any sense, that to me is not a great review. I'm not, you're reviewing me then. If you want to say, this week I reviewed Jimmy Palmiotti, that's a different article. <laughs> But if they're saying, I'm going to review this issue of Harley or that issue. Um, so I like to see some, some thought to it. And look, I love movie reviews. And even if I love the movie, it's fun to read a bad review if the bad review is, really has a great way of saying what they didn't like about it. You know? Because I, I don't know if you ever had it like where you liked the movie and then you read a review and like, oh yeah, I didn't even notice that. That was kind of crappy that they did. You know? Like that. I think having an open mind is a great thing for a reviewer to have, but also not attack the talent, but to actually review the comic would go. And again, I like, I don't mind bad reviews. I just want to, I had a bad review recently and I know the person didn't read the book. Because in a review, they just started rambling about something else and it didn't happen in a book. And I'm like, and I'm like, if I owned that site, I would have said, I can't have you review books anymore. And it's like me asking you to review uh, an event and you never went. You know, how, how am I supposed to get a review from that? Reviews for me are to gauge things. So, um, but at the same time, no review will make me not try something. If I if a movie looks good to me, I'm going to go see it. So, uh, you know. As always, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. Okay. That was Jim Palmati. We are at MegaCon Tampa. I've heard rumors that there won't be another MegaCon Tampa. That's going to be sad because. I go to MegaCon Orlando, I go to MegaCon Tampa, and that's like my two conventions where we set up booths. And I was like, it works really well. If you're going to get rid of that, I'm going to be sad. Oh, man. Are you guys ready? ready? Ready to talk about Justice League number nine by Scott Snyder? Oh, I am so, I'm so excited. Like, this one got like, this one gave me goosies. And honestly, like, this is like a very, bland issue like things hit the fan early on with the totality and how that arc ended and now we're like this is the calm before the storm or the next arc so this is kind of just like a talker conversation piece of justice league and i couldn't believe i would apparently my mind was just there to just like go to next levels and I'm not going to recap the issue for you guys because that would ruin it for you. But I, fir I first compared Scott Snyder's run on Justice League because this is post-rebirth. This is a relaunch. And I remember reading Jeff John's New 52 Justice League. I was like, oh man, what is this? Why did you make Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, the dumbest person in the world? And then why is, why is everybody meeting for the first time? Like, I don't get it. I don't get what's going on here. Like, this, is, this was just so confusing. And it just, 
don't know, I wasn't ready for the reboot. I just wasn't ready for the reboot at all. And it broke me. I had to stay, I, had to, I stepped away from DC Comics for a while after that. I did because I was just like, I'm, I've had too many reboots in my life. And then Rebirth comes along and then DC Metal, DC Metal got me back into it. Got me back into DC because they, you know, expanded the universe. They basically doubled the size of the DC universe with DC, with, with metal, Dark Knight's metal. Which is impressive for like one title to be like, hey, we're going to double the size of our universe after this miniseries. And that, that alone just blew my mind. Um, but with Justice League, Snyder's Justice League, he's laser focused on the characters. And then also, it feels like he has looked at every iteration of the Justice League, whether it be like cartoons or comic books, and he like cherry picked all his favorite parts of all of them. And then he put together his version of the Justice League. And the Hall of Just like the Hall of Justice in there, so that's a throwback to the old cartoon. Um, and then in Justice League Nine, there was a conversation about in the cafeteria and then all the characters in the background you're like man this is like an episode of justice league unlimited and i just couldn't i was looking around at all these different panels and then the concept of the book where they like i call it the dorm rooms because i can't really come up with a better word but each hero has their own room in the hall of justice and each person decorates it or prepares the room the way they want it um and that was a cool little character study on all the different people. And Wonder Woman has ha- is having a little issue of getting her room together. And so Aquaman and her kind of have a conversation which drag- puts you through all the different heroes' rooms. It was just really interesting the amount of detail that Snyder put in this. And Jimenez, the artist, uh, it was just, it was really just a beautiful conversation of of heroes. I mean, like it's just it was. Oh, I'm just Alejandro Sanchez was the colorist, and Jorge Jimenez is the artist, and Jorge did some really amazing things. I I loved all the the Superman in space, you know, Superman speaks to the moon. Like that kind of blew me out of the water. You know, when they blow up the moon, I was like, you guys just blew up the moon. Like, apparently, do not touch the microphone. Um, you guys just blew up the moon. Like, that's that's a game changer in the universe. You can't just blow up the moon and then there not be a moon again. I mean, like, that's it's just, I don't think that works. I mean, the physics of it, tides, everything else, orbits, all these other things. Like, crazy, you can't do that. So they finally come around to fixing the moon. I mean, basically Superman comes around fixing the moon. And like, it becomes the symbol, you know, of like, ah, it's just, there's things where you just, you just have to get it done. I mean, I get this. I mean, like I'm a, I'm a guy who runs into the wall like a hundred million times. It's like, I have to do this. Like, it's just, this is the path I have to take. And Superman was on that path. He's like, I have to fix the moon. Like, we got to get the moon back together. And, uh, and it was just brilliant. It just, it did, this book just hit me on so many different levels. And then the conversation between Batman and Superman, like 
they're like best of friends, but they're also like on opposite ends of the spectrum. And the amount of respect that each of them have for each other, they're able to have a debate and a conversation. And then like, I was like, wow, it's like, because I'm always thinking in my head, like, how are we going to come together as a country? And I got Republicans, Democrats, everybody in the middle and everybody needs to be, everybody wants to be on their side and there is no crossing over, you know, after a depressing Kavanaugh hearing, like reading Justice League 9 was like my cure to that because I was like, hey, here are two people, very different, you know, but want the same thing, but come from two totally different places and they're able to have a respectful conversation with each other. And you're like, wow, you know, if you come at, if you come at a debate with respect for the other person, you will see that respect. Hopefully you'll see that reciprocated. And if it's not, then you know that conversation kind of ends. But like if more people come at conversations, come at comic gate, come at politics from a respectful point of view, you can then have debates of like, why is this good? Why is this bad? And just, you know, try to hear people out. And uh, I mean, this is what I always strive for. I mean, like I, I'm horrible at this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the thing I like, or I'm the Hulk. I Hulk smash when I like hear opposing opinions or something that's like hurtful or this or that, or a misunderstanding. I'm like, listen, you're trying to take people's rights away. Like, ah! And I just start smashing keyboards and smashing things and, and, and everything. But you know, to get to that, I mean, the only way you're going to change people, the only way you're going to have uh, productive conversations is if you come at it from a respectful point of view. And, that's what Snyder did. He had so much respect for the characters in this book. Oh, man. You know, it's just, it, it, I'm going to gush with this book because like, it's, I, mean, I don't want to say it's a throwaway issue, but like nothing really happens. But if you look at it and you break down the panels and you break down the script, like this book is huge. And the Cubs have, Two on with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. I don't know. They're down by a run. And I just interrupted a great thing. But like Snyder has so much respect for the history of the comic books. And I mean, it's because some writers come in, Dan Slott, and they're just like, fuck you, mythos. I'm destroying everything. And I don't give a shit about it. And, And they have no qualms with that. And that's why they hop off of Twitter and they go hide. Because the fans know when you don't have respect for something. But, like, this had such a good message. It, you know, had such... Ah, man, you I felt closer to the characters after this. Like, I felt like we were friends and they, like... I We, we, we drank some beers and, like, a little... Uh, we, we got to the next level of friendship with this book. Oh. And then the art's gorgeous. And then just going through the whole the whole series. I reread the whole thing, you know, issue, you know, up to issue nine and talking about that laser focus on the characters, like all the characters are all broken in their own different ways. But when they come together as the justice league, you're like, this is going to be the shit. Like, it's like you take all that brokenness and then you're like, Oh my God, we just made, we just formed Voltron. And now it's like, okay, throw whatever giant monster you want at me and 
and I can take it down because we're we're just as like Voltron now, and it's just really good. Um, but I'm just babbling. I'm babbling about this. But Alejandro Sanchez, he worked on the colors of the book, and this book just really just pops. I'm looking at a space scene right now, and you know, you just think it's like Superman in space, and just very simple. But like, there's some light blues, some whites and grays that just makes this whole space scene pop. Like it's just like it expands. The layers just grow on it, and 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 just you know the angles of lights that are hitting off the characters. It's just it's so amazing how far coloring in comic books has come, and it just it blows my mind every time I see an amazing page. I'm just like I don't. You guys just knocked it out of the park. Just knocked it out of the park. The coloring is really good. And there's a Hawk Girl splash page in this book that just has movement. And Hawk Girl always has attitude. Oh, man. And uh, and the colors. It's just, you know, it's just, bam. It's just a very powerful page with every when everything comes together. Just boom. It's done. The lettering, because they're doing this like psychic conversation. So the word balloons have little little wiggly circles around them. And and Superman's is a light blue and Batman's is a dark, is like a gray. So that's how you know who's talking. Um, I mean, I would just recommend trying to go with more of a contrast in those colors. So it pops out because there's towards the end of the issue, there was an important conversation going on. And I was like, who said that? Damn it. You know, it's just, again, I, you know, I read it a couple of times. I mean, I read the book probably two, three times. And so, but I was still like on that last page. I was like, wait, I was like, what? what? And so you just takes you out a little bit of the book. And yeah, it's, that's the worst part of an amazing book. I mean, if that's the worst part, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good book. And it's like one panel. It's just one panel. And I don't really know what just happened in the baseball game. Oh, Something happened. Bases are loaded. Bottom of seventh. Two outs. Jason Hayward is up. Everybody on the stands is going crazy. And he looks at an 82 mile an hour strike. Oh my God. I just, you know, you, you're not going to get another meatball pitch out there. I mean, you got to put it in play. You got to put this pitch in play. I mean, Joe Madden's up there. He's got a sweatshirt on because it's a little cold. But like, you got to, I mean, this. Just got to get a base hit. This is where baseball gets really impressive. Because this is the most, right now, this moment right now for Jason Hayward. Oh, man, now we're at one and one Jason Hayward is just, he's got to put that ball in play. Like, he's got to get it to the outfield. Or he's got to get it out of the building. And I hate to say it, guys. <sighs> All right, so uh, Jason Hayward has a 1.53 career postseason batting average, lowest in MLB history at 100 at bats. Oh man, they're asking, they're they're crushing him. <gasps> Two and one. Are they going to walk in a tying run in the bottom of the seventh? The Colorado Rockies. Whew. It's two and one. Octavio. Is the pitcher on the Rockies? And this is my, I guess I'm doing a broadcast of the Rockies game. This is, this is what we're going to do. Cause I mean, I can't not talk about this while we're going on. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a good sight to see. 
<gasps> he pinched the corner. He pinched the outside corner. Now we're two and two. Oh man, Jason Hayward, you gotta swing at something, buddy. I know it's two and one. You want to get the three and one, but like he pinched the corner and the ump gave it to him. Whew. This is gonna be a this is either gonna be a gut wrenching experience for Cubs fans, or this is going to be where they blow it open right now. Ah, uh, the pitch is up. Fans are on their seats. <gasps> and he strikes out on a 97 mile an hour slider that wasn't over the plate. Oh, you can hear Wrigley Field crying. All right, back to Justice League. I, again, I've had a million reboots. I don't have a million. I've had like three reboots and it's, it's really annoying. Um, but after sitting with Justice League, it's a book that, you know, you can read as a fan and you could be like, okay, here I have feelings in these different books. Like, each, you know, Superman feels this way. Batman feels this way. Wonder Woman has a feeling. Aquaman, like there are, there's all these feelings and like they're familiar feelings. So no matter how much you change the universe, you have these familiar feelings that you've grown up with or that you're currently establishing and you're like, okay, this makes sense. And that's what Snyder brings to the table. It's just, it's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Um, you know, what a good writer does that respects what has come before and, but wants to expand the universe to a next level. Like it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Are you reading Justice League? I mean, if you are, you should come back and let me know what you think of the book. I mean, when number when you read number nine, let me know how deep you went with this book. Did you just like read it as a casual reader or did you go like nerd style and just like, okay, let's analyze every panel and every feeling that's going on with this? Because that's, how, I mean, I did. I was just like, I was like, good morning, moon. You have me. Like it just, it was just, it was brilliant. It was really good. It was really good. And I gave it, what did I give this book? I gave it a 4.1 out of 5 stars. I gave the writing a 4.5, the art a 4, the colors a 4.5, and the letters a 3.5. I'm sorry, Tom. I, you know, it's not your fault, Tom. It's not your fault, Tom. So, I mean, I'm not I really feel bad when I'm hard on writer on letterers. It's just, it's a tough business, but I mean, you're with the big two, you know, you're, you're in the major leagues. This is, this is the playoffs. I mean, on a, on a top tier book, Justice League. I mean, like after Batman, like what is the, what is the next book? Is it Justice League? I mean, it's got Batman in it. Oh man. So I apologize for being hard on letterers, but you know, you can't get your shit together. But I, I've really enjoyed this Justice League. I really enjoyed talking to Jim Palmati. Man, I cannot believe how good of a mood Justice League put me in. So, I mean, that's got to be a quality recommendation. Um, but again, I'm Matt Sardo. This is Monkeys Fighting Robots. I'm going to try to get the podcast out so it's out every Wednesday. So that if you're chilling on lunch or you're getting some books or whatever, um, you can go from there. I'm going to try to get in, you know, some interviews, uh, an inter- at least one interview, and then review a comic book or a movie. Uh, I got I'm Venom's. I'm going to go see Venom tomorrow. Um, and then we'll, you know, we got some Daredevil stuff. 
TV show we can talk about. We got some Runaways that comes out in December. Um, so I'll try, we can talk about those things. But, you know, I want to try to have a conversation with somebody and then um, talk about what I've been reading or what I've been watching. Because I have some, I have some, I have a Wu-Tang interview and then I have another interview that I, I did right before the twins came out. Um, so I, I'll pull those out to give to you guys because those are, those are new. Um, but as of the time of me wrapping up this podcast, it is the top of the eighth and the Colorado Rockies are up one, nothing over Chicago Cubs. Uh, it's either going to be really dramatic in Wrigley Field or it's going to be really depressing. I guess we'll talk about the MLB playoffs next Tuesday and we should have a clearer picture of who's doing what. Um, but again, thank you for listening and uh, I can't wait for your feedback. Pretzel Crust fans rejoice because it's back. By popular demand, Little Caesar's large, soft pretzel crust pizza featuring a creamy cheddar cheese sauce, pepperoni, and a four cheese blend surrounded by a delicious salted soft pretzel crust for just $6. Hot and ready every day between 4 and 8 and only 6 bucks from the home of pretzel crust pizza, Little Caesar's. Pizza, pizza at participating locations plus tax. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. 